everybody. Welcome to Interconnect, where we offer both serious deep dives and fun behind-the-scenes glimpses of ministry and life with Gaten beyond Sunday. In this first ever Interconnect episode, episode one, we're going to take a deep dive into Vision 2025 in a three-part series that starts now. Well, so we'll, uh, let's dive in now to the specifics of, let's break it down section by section, Vision 2025. So we mentioned it's a vision, mid- mission, vision, mission, culture, strategy. Um, so let's break that down. So the first one, vision. And if you haven't gotten this infographic, it's available. It's linked in the show notes. Uh, we gave this out at the end of the message series in January. And it's just got kind of a quick uh, infographic of what each of these uh, elements are, as well as the strategy on the back. So vision to be filled to overflowing. What does that mean? Like, are we just overflowing cups? Are we trying <laughs> yeah. to just fill out the services? What does it all mean? So initially, too, for me, it was looking at where building on Vision 2020. The vision was to build this great facility um, and to have a place that people could come to. I think the, the ultimate goal, though, is to make a difference in our community and that if we weren't here, would we be missed? And what footprint for the Lord are we making in this neighborhood and in Richmond, in this area? Um, so the idea is if we can fill what we're doing and we can overflow into our community, that should be the ultimate goal. And you'll hear us say, gather large to connect small is another one of the things you're going to hear on a regular basis. The idea is we want to gather so large that it's overflowing, right? That we want to fill every space because we believe it's valuable what we're sharing to be a disciple who makes disciple of all generations, that these are things that are going to help every person, every family, you know, every individual, wherever you are in your life journey, it's going to be beneficial if you're first filled with the Holy Spirit to overflowing, mm. and then we're filled together, and then we're filling these spaces with people that are filled, and then that's overflowing into our community, um, and that's when we begin to see lives change, and we begin to see um, hearts healed, we begin to see the, the even things happening in our own areas where kids who don't have food, you know, on a regular basis are getting food, they don't have backpacks, they don't have, you know, different things that we begin to fill those needs because of our overflowing of what God's doing within our hearts and our lives. So it's kind of that principle of, you know, how do we fill ourselves, then we fill ourselves as a, as a group, and then that overflows into everything else. Yeah, that's an, cause a lot of times we think of filling, we, we talk about, you know, attendance and how many people are here on a Sunday morning, but really our, our church is broader than that. Yeah. And when you're talking about filling, it's not just filling seats, but you're talking about what I yeah. just heard you say is filling the Holy Spirit, filling you. Yes, filling our church physically as well, but filling hearts so that that mission can go out into their own communities, in their own schools, in their own teams, where people are, are plugged in and invested in their own. Yeah, and one of the areas. even uh, recent series we were, a recent part of the message series I was doing, we we're talking about being connected <coughs> to the vine and that when you're connected to the vine, it produces fruit and that, you know, God does want quantity and quality, right? He wants everyone to come to be saved and he also wants those people um, that are part of his church to be quality, full of the fruits of the Spirit. Um, so I think it's not enough just to say, hey, we're trying to fill the room or we're trying to fill a place. Um, because you can fill the place with dead fruit. <laughs> you know, the goal is to have live, like vibrant fruit, like that people are mm-hmm. full of the Spirit. And so I don't think it's enough just to say we want to fill a room or fill a seat. Um, I think that that is part of it, but it's not really the focus. The focus is to have people that are Spirit-filled mm. to fill a seat. 
you know, that, that there's more than just, hey, how can we attract a lot of people to come to our church or to come sit in an in a auditorium or in the gym or in the, you know, the worship center, um, but really that they're, they're being filled with the fruit of, of the spirit and that that's being evident in their life and that that filling is almost more important than any of the other fillings that we talk about. So, I think every time that I look at this, it is energizing because I take away a new perspective. And I think for this to be twofold, and it, it could be even more, and, and we just don't know it yet, but physically, spiritually, um, I think producing fruit, I think seeking fruit, I mean, we all, we all want to pick a ripe piece of fruit and not a dead piece of fruit. So even um, if, we, if, if we don't understand the fruits of the Spirit yet, or even if this is new to us, you still there's still a place for you to come um, and, and taste the fruit and, and see, is this, is this a place um, that is going to fill me? And, and that is our hope and our vision um, of what Jesus has asked of us here. And, um, and I'm excited to be a part of, of that vision. And that goes from, from young to old. It's not just uh, one. So, so that applies to everybody in our church. And this might uh, go into our next one, which is to be disciples who make disciples of all generations, which is our mission. Um, how in so for kids ministry, how mm-hmm. are you seeing kids being over overflowing, filled to overflowing, mm-hmm. and how are they living that out? Well, I think physically, and we are we are running into a space issue um, with our youngest friends, our preschoolers. Um, we we You're are filled to overflowing. We are filled <laughs> to overflowing, um, which is so exciting. Um, there's there's energy, there is excitement, um, there is physical changes, um, and and our our littlest friends are so excited to be here. But we are, we're running into a space issue um, with being filled to overflowing, um, and I think as kids are growing um, and and getting deeper in their understanding of who Jesus is. I had a large group just finish Christian Basics um, or Jesus 101. Um, and the questions that they're asking yesterday, I had a, a first grader, we were talking about Zacchaeus, and he, and he said, well, what do we need to be forgiven of? What, how does Jesus do that? And I thought these are such deep questions for a first grader who is seeking fruit. He wants to know how, how Jesus can do this for me. Um, one of the things that I am I love um, about our programs here um, is, is disciples, be disciples who make disciples. And I invite students, I invite senior adults, I invite um, adults of all ages in to champion and circle with kids every week. Um, and I have people make a commitment for a year from a high school student um, to senior adults and to watch them love their kids, go pick out birthday cards that are specific um, to what that kid likes, be it it's unicorns or monster trucks. They have gotten to know their kids. Um, and and that's, that's what I ask of them is give them a safe place um, where they can know Jesus and know that they're loved by you. Um, and I think we are living in into that vision um, to watch high school students um, with elementary kids and middle school students with preschoolers know that they have a job to do and kids are dependent on them, um, that they are being discipled in their own age-specific programs, and then they get to show up and take another outlet to pour into kids coming behind them. It, that is being modeled week after week after week, and it makes me excited to show up on a Sunday morning here in yeah. this place. And I'll say, you know, my daughter, she is, well, all of my kids have been a recipient of that, um, but my daughter, through a small group leader for previous when she was in the kids' ministry, um, Sophie, she still 
she still has that relationship. She still comes by to visit when she's here. She'll take her ice cream. Um, they communicate, and she's just she's the coolest, and she's a great example for her. Yes. Um, so we've seen that in our own house. Um, so to to be disciples who make disciples of all generations. Um, let's talk real quick about how we came up with yeah. with that. So I think it's important to, to note also that, you know, when we were talking about this, the, the vision and the mission, uh, we sat down as a staff. Um, I talked to the SLC, talked to deacons, talked to as many people as I could. I said, what is, what is Gaten known for? What, what makes us unique? What makes us different than other churches in our area? I do think that God gives a certain identity to churches and, you know, he empowers and he equips and, and definitely has leanings um, so that that's what they become known for. And one of the things that kept rising to the top in that conversation was that we we seem to have a church that does well at connecting at all the generations. So we have mm-hmm. kids, we have, um, you know, elementary school through high school. And then we have, you know, that, that middle age parent, that young parent, that older parent, and then uh, moving on. I mean, we, ha- we seem to have the whole gambit um, represented in some way. And we said, well, that's something then that, that is a good point. That's something that's beneficial for us to know and to live into and to invest in and say, okay, if we have that as part of how God has, has um, built us, let's live into it and let's cultivate it. Let's encourage it. Let's um, promote it. And so part of the, the mission statement came from that idea that obviously every church should be making disciples. I think we talked about the fact that it's hard to make a disciple if you're not a disciple. So we have to start, it starts with all the, and, and I think always kind of comes back to the individual. Me individually, ha, I have to do something. Mm-hmm. I have to be there. Then I'm able to help others get there. And then this is for everybody. This is for everybody you know, whatever age group. Um, we want to be a church that that if you come through the doors, you feel welcome and you feel like this is a place I could connect. There's people that I feel like I could build friendships with. And, and so we want to open those doors and say, this is, we're not a young church. We're not an old church. We're not a middle-aged church. We are a church of all generations and we want to reach all generations for Christ. And it, uh, and it, I love, I love that it, um, we're, we're trying to come, I think we're, if I remember correctly, we're trying to come up with like an eight word. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Keep eight, I think we're at nine. Yeah. Well, something you I'm can remember. One off, right. right? Yeah. And I asked my kids, can you, what did I say? And they don't get it every time, but they get the gist of it. Right. Yeah. And, and I think it is something, <laughs> if you say it enough, it, it has some rhythm to it. It has, a, it's easier to remember than maybe a really wordy mission statement. Yeah. So I think it has benefit in that and that we were mindful of that, that mm-hmm. we were saying, what is something people are going to be able to remember and recall and say, mm-hmm. oh yeah, you know, in my, in, my, in my small group, in my circle, am I being a disciple who makes disciples of all generations? Mm-hmm. Like, how are we doing that? What does that mean for us? And, and at its heart, Matthew 28, 18 which 20, says, yeah. you know, go, yeah. uh, Go make disciples of all nations. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, And I love that, you know, our generations that we have, you know, there are some churches that only have a younger generation. There's some who maybe only have an older generation. We have that beauty of having all of it. Um, And I think that actually sets us up to, to go on mission and live out the gospel and go and make disciples of all nations in a stronger sense, because we have all of those, you know, uh, uh, a senior citizen can go to the nations, where whatever that means for them, however God calls them there, um, and and probably reach someone in their own stage of life 
easier yeah. than like a millennial going, you know. Well, and it lives into the chain. We're part of the chain for Vision 2020, right? Hmm. And that chain was, you know, faithful. And then they're passing it on to the next link in the chain. Um, for us to train and equip people, we have to have people at the front end of the chain, the middle, you know, there has to be a progression. And, and if we can train and equip and mentor, then you can have that, that progression of, all right, we're training our young people to be the next leaders. That's why when you go around, you're going to see young people in leadership positions serving here at Gaten because we recognize that there's a progression, there's a growth, there's always going to need to be um, that opportunity for the next person to serve. And so we want to be intentional about all generations understanding that, you know, we talk about the, the youth are not the, the future church, they're the current church. This idea that we have to always be mindful of the fact that we're stewarding a certain amount of time and we want to pass that on and be very uh, encouraging and, and, and training and equipping those who come behind to take on that so they can train. So there's that cycle of health. Yesterday we had a town hall and you mentioned somebody asked what what do the goals for this new, and I think it plays into this mission, the goals for this new vision. Um, and you mentioned about a thousand disciples that they, yeah. you know, dreaming big. Yeah. What Can you talk about that a little bit? So kind of narrowing that down too, I think when we were, we, and I said this yesterday too, that if you aim at, no, if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time, right? You want to have some, some physical idea of where you're trying to go and that you're moving in that direction. And we talk about in staff, like the win, what is the win? There's a, a bit of an idea of a scoreboard. How, if I don't know how to win and if I don't know how the score works, how can I, how can I achieve those things? And so uh, basically the idea is we come back to the vision of Phil, Phil to overflowing. How can we fill? these spaces um, with to, so they can overflow and make an impact. And so we look at our two services. How can we get those? What does it mean to, for those to be filled? Um, both, you know, filled with number and filled with spirit-filled people that are coming to know Christ. And we're seeing salvation. We're seeing rededication. We're seeing, you know, people wanting to get more involved in serving. And so we want to, we, we don't just want to fill the room with a, a group of people, but we also want to fill it with people that are, that are progressing in their faith. And so setting those numbers and saying, you know, I think for upstairs, here's a capacity. 80, they typically, they say 80%. If the room is at 80%, you're at capacity and you need to mm -hmm. think of something else. And so for us, we're looking at, well, what is 80% of upstairs? What is 80% of downstairs? Um, what is our parking capacity? All these things play into being good stewards of the church and understanding what is our potential and how can we best reach that potential. Um, I think we have the four categories because um, we recognize we don't live in a time where people are just going to get up and go to church on Sunday, mm. that there's not a culture out there saying, um, I'm hungry for church, right? So we have to build those relationships much more intentionally now, I believe. And that's why we talk about the connections points, right? That these are places we build relationships, we're intentional. And maybe it's a, it's a little bit um, easier place for someone to have their first connection with Gaten um, because it's, it's more social engagement in some ways. And then circles, how do we build strong leaders? One of our challenges, we have so much, um, we have a lot of people that are looking for places to learn and grow, but we don't have enough teachers, not enough leaders in our kids ministry and our, in our nursing, our nursery. Uh, we don't have enough leaders to make sure that we're able to supply the needs that we have. And so I think it goes across the board that here, it, this idea of filling and, and setting, um, direct numbers, um, and then being a disciple who makes a disciple. So we want someone to be committed to coming to a gather, right? That's part of being a disciple. We want someone to committed to participating in our connection areas. Um, that's part of being a disciple. We want someone to be in a circle. That's part of being a disciple. And we want people to consider champion relationships where they're having one-on-one -on -one mentoring, discipleship relationships. 
if we can get a thousand people to make those four commitments that they're engaging in those, that would be um, the fulfillment of the vision in 2025 that we've seen, you know, through the time that we've been doing this, a thousand people be able to connect that way. So let's talk about culture, church culture. So this is a, this is on this infographic graphic, if you've downloaded it. Um, so Pastor Mike came up with an acrostic about our church culture, but first let's define what church culture is. Um, so it, it's kind of similar to values, and the way I've, I've described it and I've thought through it is, um, you know, values, we all have values, um, but we have varying values. Um, as a church, we have biblical values. Um, we may have, you know, in our church body, we have people who have, like, if you think about political values, we have people with more liberal uh, values, and we, pe- we have people with more conservative values. Um, so... The church culture and our values as, as a church transcend those things. Um, so our values is what we value, and our church culture is how we live out those values and how we live out uh, what is right. So, for example, um, we say we value first-time guests. We value people who are new, um, and our church culture living it out, if it's a healthy church culture, culture, if we're recognizing someone we haven't met, we're going up to them, you know, and this is not just for staff or whoever uh, this is for our whole body. We're going up to them. We're meeting them, making sure they feel welcome. Um, I saw an example on a Facebook group I'm on of uh, a guy who who was trying to help shift into a more healthy church culture of welcoming people. And so over a period of time in their announcement videos, they started talking about uh, leaving the, the front parking spaces available for people who are new. And over time, what they saw is everybody started parking in the back. And he, he sent a picture. There was nobody parked in the front, you know, before church and uh, and leaving those spots open. You have a great example of what I think is a great example of a healthy church culture when Miss um, Melanie, and I don't want to tell her story for you. It's, it's a little more of your story yes. and kids, men, about supporting um, the kiddos. Yes. Yeah, so Melanie um, has served and taught kids um, years ago when I was here. She was a full-time Sunday school teacher here. Every Sunday showing up for kids full of wisdom um, and sharing. And then she stepped back. She had she was serving in other areas of the church and that kind of coincided at the time with the scheduling. Um, and so she's taken a step back. Um, and then she you know, has re-engaged in the past year in a variety of ways. Um, she comes in. She's now retired on her off time and it's like give me something to do specific to kids ministry she has a box in our office um, serving that way behind the scenes that no one knows about except those that see her in our office Um, but following a message about I don't know a year ago eight months ago um, she she said I I I have to do this I have to serve we put out a call um, for volunteers because that's kind of what kids ministry does um and she said, I don't, I don't have a kid in kids ministry, but I can, I can fill the volunteer role. Um, you know, her background was teaching Sunday school. Um, we don't offer the traditional sense of Sunday school anymore. We, we do a large group worship and small group time. And she's like, I can do anything that you've asked of me because God said, I'm called to serve. And if you have a hole, I am here to fill it. And um, just her excitement and enthusiasm. She is a longtime volunteer with Bible school. And she's already told me this year, um, this is my preference, but you put me where you need me. You put me where the gap is, where you put my hole, where the hole is. And I, I think that that 
that has spoken volumes to me that she is here. Um, she's listening. She's obeying to the voice of Jesus in her life. Um, and and she, she wants to be a part of the church in whatever way that looks like, even if it's out of her comfort zone, even if it's out of her preference. Um, and we are so thankful that we have, we have a handful of Melanie's coming through our doors week in and week out and working with kids. And, um, and part of that was, if I remember the story correctly, you know, whenever we do dedications or we talk about yes, we ask yes. people to stand up and and repeat after me or that will yes. that will you'll rock them in the nursery yeah. you'll lead them in a, a small group um you'll teach them you know through through our teaching time and and she stands up and she says i i do this i i'm a part of this kid's life you know i've done served in this way i've served in that way um and and the call is there that is an ongoing need mm. and and she says pick me so that's a beautiful example of living out that healthy church culture, living out that value that we stand up and we say, yes, we'll support these kids, we'll help lead them, we'll rock them in the nursery. And then we have the Miss Melanies who say, I said I'm going to do that, now how am I going to yes. put put my feet to the, you know, yes. put the feet on the road. Robert to the road, is that the, I don't know. <laughs> so <laughs> All uh, of I think for me, and you know, as, as someone who's speaking regularly on Sundays, um, what do we want to be known for? And this is kind of a play on words. What does Gaten stand for? Like, what what do we actually, what do, what, what do we want our culture to know us for? What do we want our, our surrounding area to know us for? And that what, what do we hold as our top priorities? What are our highest, like, if we want a culture, what do we want it to look like? What do we, what do we believe God wants it to look like? And so as you go through it, you know, God's word, that that's preeminent. When I'm speaking, that it's not my opinion, it's God's word. And, and everything we do lives into God's word and not... You know, we don't we don't have any other we don't have any other point of reference, right? That God's word is our and not just his word, but his his voice and being able to hear his voice and being able to follow, you know, where he calls us and what he's giving us to do. Um, that all generations are represented, that you know, when I'm giving a message, I'm considering all generations. When we are doing things, we're considering all generations, um, that it's an intentional priority, right? Because it's what we stand for. We stand for all generations. That you, your friends, your family, people that you care about in your life that we are thinking about that when we're preparing and when we're uh, planning and organizing, that we're always thinking about this is what our culture is, this is what our priorities are, um, togetherness, that we're doing this together, um, that we understand that the, the church is a body, and has different parts, um, but it's one. It's one body. It's not you know a divided body. It's a, it's a unified body. It's our mission. I think a lot of people will see Gaten and say, you know, you guys are on mission together. You know, we have so many different things that we do locally, nationally, internationally that show that our church has a priority. Our part of our, our DNA is missions, right? And so we want to just say these are things we connect to. These are higher priorities than maybe other things at other churches. But for us, this is where we put our, our focus. And then uh, no limit to our generosity. That's kind of a, a strange way to get generosity into there. But I do believe generosity is something we want to... Uh, define us, right? Generosity in every area of our life, generosity with our time, our talents, our gifts, our abilities, um, our finances, that it's not just, you know, money we're talking about, but it's so much more than that. And that we are known in our community. Um, I think over time, if we can cultivate this culture, if we can be intentional about this culture, uh, my prayer would be that people begin to, to know Gaten for that, that that's mm -hmm. what that church is about and that's what they stand for and that's who they are. So that brings us to our strategy to implement and to live out this, this culture and this mission, this vision. 
That is gather, connect, circle, and champion. Um, there's a lot of info within all of that, but let's kind of try to break it down kind of simply. I guess on the back of this, we have kind of the breakdown of what each of these are. Um, gather. Yeah, so I think you look at gather and circle, and these are not totally new to us. Mm -hmm. I think gather is your your fairly typical. Churches have a Sunday service. I mean, there's different styles, but it's typically an hour, hour and a half service where you're singing, um, you're hearing a message, and it's an opportunity to get to know other people. It's an opportunity to give of your offering or your tithes, your, your generosity. Um, it's a time to find out what's going on in the life of the church. And so that gather, we say gather large, is that, that place where we're all getting together and um, we are uh, worshiping together. And, and I think that's that would be a very typical sense for most churches that gather makes a lot of sense. And it's something we've done in the past and something we want to continue to do and be very intentional about, you know, that, that gate and what do we stand for that we live into the gather. And so our connect space, this is, you alluded to this, this is kind of the one yeah. that is a little different. I think it'd probably take most people a little more time to wrap their head around because this is not something, it's it's something we've done in pockets, but not something we've had a structure wrap, wrapped around or, or defined. Um, so our connect space. So for kids ministry, for a long time, we have had an event called Groovy Night. Um, and Groovy Night keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So we're a little outside of, you know, what would might be the recommended um number for for a size of this type of gathering but groovy night is specifically designed for kids to enter into our building bring their friends have fun experience jesus by being loved hearing you know his name proclaimed but they are really here for popcorn pizza and a movie mm. <laughs> and Kids bring bring their friends. It's Friday night. Elementary schoolers don't have a whole lot of other things going on on Friday night. So to have a place to go, this this is connect. This is a way that we go. We connect with peers our age. We experience a very social setting. We have fun, and you get exposure to the church. And to read the uh, just to bring it just to kind of summarize, you know the the definition that we wrote here mid-sized communities of relationship and mission incredibly open and ideal place to find people to connect with small enough to know everyone and big enough to make an impact on mission so another point too i think is interesting is that all of this is built off of jesus's ministry right mm -hmm. jesus gathered in the temple there could have been up to fifty thousand people that were there that would have heard his message it's a large gather and it was very much teaching oriented um they had choirs there that would sing i mean it was it had some similarity to what we do today and so that gather was part of his ministry but i think this next was probably more so part of his ministry that maybe over the years the church has moved away from the social aspect of christianity that um, jesus he set up banquets he set up a banquet for the pharisees he set up a banquet uh, for the tax collectors and um, some of the people that were considered sinners of his time that he was intentionally uh, relational. He was so intentional in this idea of connect that the Pharisees called him a drunkard. You know, they said, you are lazy, you're a drunkard, all you do is socialize, right? I mean, that was the claim they were making about Jesus because he was investing in building these relationships. And not everyone that he would connect with 
was his follower, right? He didn't, everywhere he went, they, not everyone said, I'm going to follow you and be your disciple. Some of those places, he was just beginning a relationship. He was just getting um, his, he was building a, a reputation in the community. He was getting to know people. And that's what this is. And and not everyone who comes to a connect is going to um, become, you know, a leader, a teacher at Gaten, but we want to build those relationships. We want to be intentional in in that side of church. And, and even in that, uh, we talk about connects can be missional as well. There's people that, that aren't really interested in Jesus right now. They're not at that place in life, or maybe they've walked away from church, but they do want to invest in something uh, in their community. And so they'll, they'll join us when we do a, a missional connect and that helps mm-hmm. us to build a relationship. And so there's so many different functions of this that we want to be healthy in this area. We want this to be a, um, a, a as much of a, a component of our church as a gather, that we have a gather every Sunday, um, that we have a rhythm to connect, that we are intentionally calendaring connection places, that we're um, clearly communicating uh, how you can find a connect, how you can get into a connect. So that's kind of the vision moving forward mm-hmm. is to give people these opportunities to connect that way. Let's be and let's be honest. If we, you know, it's hard for us because we've been in church all our lives to walk in the front door and feel what someone who may not be familiar with church feels. But if we can kind of get outside of ourselves and, and, and think from that perspective, put ourselves in those shoes, it's pretty intimidating to walk in to a church where you probably don't know anyone, yeah. and you walk into this thing that's unfamiliar, this worship service, and you hear words that you don't understand. There's a lot of people. Maybe that's not your thing. And then even beyond that, how much harder would it be that the next step to be put in a circle or a small group mm-hmm. yeah. and to be like, real close, like physically close with people that I don't know you, I don't know anything about this is weird or in a Sunday school or something. It's awkward. Yeah. It can be awkward. Um, so this connect space is a space that, that meets that missing, a, a missing yeah. element of what we maybe don't really have right now yeah. because I can invite somebody. It's, it's pretty unrisky to come to groovy night or to come yes. to, um, you know, packing bags for, for kids who are hungry, um, where going to a small group or something like that, I'm, I might just say no mm-hmm. if I'm not familiar with what's going to happen. And the yeah. cool thing about this is, is anybody can host it. I mean, you yeah. can have mm-hmm. a neighborhood. Um, we, we've participated in pig roast before or, hey, people on my street were mm-hmm. going down to have lunch at the park and play on the playground. Like, yeah, and it's not right here in this building. Right. Yes. That doesn't mean right. it has to be here. And that's the beauty of it. I think our culture is already doing this, right? I mean, our friends are finding, people that live around us are finding ways to build connections. Mm -hmm. People want to connect. They want to be part of community. And I think sometimes as the church, we've siloed ourselves off and said, you know, we only do church things and we only do it on church property. And I think we've got to be more intentional about what are things that are already happening, right? Mm -hmm. Where are those places where people are connecting in our culture already and then how can we as a church be more intentional about trying to build relationships mm-hmm. there? Yeah. Because I think at the end of the day, all of this is relational mm-hmm. and it's easy to make it not relational, mm-hmm. right? And so we want to maintain that relationship that even in the gather, it's a relationship to God and, and to each other and the connect, it's, it's mm-hmm. building new relationships and building relationships into our culture, into our communities, trying to be a, a light and salt there. And it's, a, it's, it's kind of a missional space as well for people who are here and part of Gaten. Yeah to be a part of these connects and make those intentional efforts to connect with people. And the hope through that is that, yeah, they will come to a gather. Or maybe they've already come to a gather. Mm-hmm. Or they will join a small uh, a small group, a circle, or uh, a class mm-hmm. that, that, you know, they get a chance to connect with somebody in a connect group. 
before they jump into a circle, which leads us to circle, yes. which is deep, accountable relationships to spur growth, small groups who share life together in organized times and in the ebb and flow of daily life. So this is a, this is a space that we've kind of been back and forth as well over the years of, you know, uh, is Sunday school the right path or life groups, small groups, Bible studies, what is the right thing? What's the best thing to do? And what I love about circles is it values, it values the value <laughs> of all of those different yeah. types of groups and kind of unifies them under the kind of the circle title. We can still have Sunday schools. We can still have life groups. We can still yeah. have Bible studies. But now we have a unifying structure around it. Yeah, and I think it lives into the idea that God trains us, equips us, and grows us in different ways. Like, we don't all mature the same way. And some of us are even different places in our maturity spiritually, right? Um, I know that I, at a point I was an infant spiritually, and, and I think we all start at the infant stage, and we, we need that you know, that, that input, we need someone to really guide us through that. And then you grow and, and you, you progress down your story and, and God guides you and he matures you. And so these circles are for people wherever they are on that journey so that they can continue to move down that, that path. And I think it's important to recognize um, that wherever you're connecting, that you're building those relationships and that you're doing life together and that you begin to uh, grow deep relationships. Mm -hmm. And this is where we see Jesus and his 12 disciples, right? I mean, even within that, he had his three close, but he had 12 that he had a good relationship with, that they were following him and he was teaching them and they were really doing life together. And that's kind of the purpose here is that we would grow in these groups deeply um, to each other and to the Lord. All right, and then champion... Disciples mentoring and discipling others in the Word of God, faith, character, and by example. So it's kind of a cool word yeah. to use for those who disciple. Um, what is a champion? Well, I think when you look at this idea, it's and I ask myself all the time, who who's my champion and who am I championing? Um, I think there's the idea in life that there's certain people that, that you have close relationships with that inspire you, challenge you, grow you. And if you don't, um, it's important to find one, right? I mean, we would agree that we all need someone who's been there, has gone through where we're going, that can help us, give us guidance, wisdom, and discernment. And this concept is a concept that, that Jesus did with John, um, that he did with Peter, that he would take them side by side and, and, and take them aside and say, hey, here's some things I want you to understand. Here's some things that are going to be helpful for you. And then they then in turn found people that they would take and say, hey, how can I help you? And then it becomes another chain, right? Mm. But this is a very personal chain. And these are the kind of chains where um, maybe in a group of 12, you're not going to share a very deep thing, something that's very personal to you. And you're not going to be vulnerable. But this relationship even digs deeper into that, into that idea of um, who can I really be open and honest with, you know, and really share my heart, share my struggles, and have someone who can point me in the right direction of where I should go and how the decisions I should make. I think these are powerful relationships. I think these are relationships people, um, whether they recognize it or not, they need, we all need. Mm. And so uh, even for me now, I think who, who, who's my champion, right? Who, who am I looking to for wisdom and guidance? And then who, who individually am I investing my life in and saying, I want to help you along your path also? I think we could probably all 
if I'm not mistaken, we could probably all point to people yeah. over the years who, who we could point to and say they discipled us. And maybe we didn't even realize that there was an intentional discipleship going on. Right. So right, I love the intentionality behind it. Again, yeah. we've all heard the word mentor. Um, that's a, a little bit more common use. I love champion because ultimately it's you're being for each other. And, and you spoke about that yesterday. And um, my life took a turn probably 10 years ago when I... I didn't know that I was doing this with students, but the relationships grew and grew and grew. And that went from a circle, being a small group leader, to just like Jesus did. You have three or four that organically went a little bit further in our relationship to where I still maintain those relationships today. Um, I've watched it. It's happening with your daughter and Sophie. That was her small group leader, but that relationship organically has went a step further. Um, And it's just making an intentional decision to be for somebody else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think as a church, we're being intentional offering it and saying, hey, we really think this would be helpful for you. I can remember back a couple of weeks when Kobe Bryant's funeral was happening and Michael Jordan gets up and gives you know a talk about how Kobe Bryant was part of his life. But you saw that Kobe went to Michael because he was a champion, hmm. right? Because he had done what Kobe wanted to do. And there's this idea of a champion have going before you and doing things. And, and I think if you apply that to the spiritual, finding that person that has gone in front, who's been a champion, who's gone through things that you know you're going to go through, you know, and having that person to connect to. And then you yourself turning around and looking behind and saying, who can I be a champion for? Mm-hmm. Who are the people in my life that I've gone ahead and I've experienced what they're soon to experience, and I can be their champion. I can be there for them and invest in them. I think that's an awesome thing that it's new. It's different. People may have not have, have thought of it this way or heard of it before, mm-hmm. but I think it is. it lives really into the story of Christ and the example he gave us um, here on earth. You know, I think that's one thing that also makes Circle so much more important. It's so important for everyone to be a part of this uh, because there are going to be organic organically created uh, discipleship relationships yeah. happening. Um, and that leads us to another part that's kind of kind of part of the strategy, but it's more of a summary of all of these things. Uh, tagline is what we would call it. And that, and we've been talking about yeah, it yeah. for the last couple of months, like over and over, gather large, connect small. Um, so to, to kind of start that conversation, We've talked about gathering large. We have our gatherings on Sunday mornings um, and other gatherings as well. And we have these other ways that we're connecting in a smaller way. Um, and I think it helps helps wrap, wrap our mind around the, the fact that we just, you know, we're a growing church. Mm-hmm. We can't know everybody in the church. And, and that's been a little bit of a struggle, I think, for all of us, really, um, as things change, as things kind of... Uh, evolve a little bit um, where we're having worship, you know, physical location changes, um, you know, what kind of groups are available, all of those things and, and timing and everything. Um, and when people are available with their schedules and all of that, um, we just can't know everybody. So what, how do we, um, so how do we, we create those spaces that, uh, that we still value that, that, smaller connection yeah, um, and, and live in the reality of where we are as a growing church. So I think the example I have in, in my mind is the idea of how social media has changed our world and our lives and Facebook has changed everything. I think if, what if 
my only friends were my Facebook friends <laughs> and I never interacted. Like all I knew about them and all they knew about me is what they saw on Facebook. You go see how many friends you have. Yeah. Well, you know, there's, <laughs> not, I don't know, but, <laughs> but there, there's this idea that's a gather large. There's so many people, you see so many things, right? And there is a positive. I'm glad I can, I can see what's happening to friends I had in high school. I'm glad I can keep up to date with fr- friends and family, what's going on in their life. But that isn't the intimate relationship I need for a healthy life, right? It's great that I can see that, but I think the, 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 the real thing is I need real life people in my life that I'm building a relationship with. How many people can I realistically have relationship with? And I think Jesus demonstrated 12 and then three that there's this idea that um, he wants us to, to, to connect, you know, to, to connect in a smaller circle, but then that circle is part of a bigger circle, mm-hmm. which is the gather large. And I think we're just trying to live that out that, yes, it's great to be able to see people and, and walk by people. But ultimately, even if you see them on Sunday, you're sitting in the same room with them. You're not building a deep bond with them. You're not, you don't know any more about them. You, you're not uh, carrying any of their burden. They're not carrying any of your burden. You know, mm. it's, it's, it's a superficial, it's great. We need it. It's part of it. But ultimately, I think what we need are those deep, meaningful relationships. And I think one of the things um, that I, has misled people in the past is thinking that all church is is gathering in a room on a Sunday, mm-hmm. singing a certain amount of songs, hearing a message from somebody, and then go home, and that's it, right? That's the extent of what your faith is. And what we see in Christ is, no, actually every day of your life is part of that journey, and if you can build these deep relationships, that's what's going to grow you on that journey, and the gather gives you energy to the journey. The gather isn't the end all, it is part of the energy that's built to give you. So when I look at Facebook, it encourages, hey, I should be doing that with my, or, you know, it, there's points of reference there, but it isn't my personal life, right? And so I see this, there's similarities there of um, we're also part of the church on the global scale. I don't know all the churches even in Richmond. I wish I, that would be awesome, yeah. but there's not really, I don't have the capacity to build strong relationships with every church in Richmond. You know, but I do have the capacity to build close relationships with six to twelve people, and have those close, tight knit relationships. And then we can gather with groups of twelves, mm-hmm. and and be part of a bigger gather. And then we ultimately are connected to all the churches that believe, you know, in the Word of God. And I think it's important to reflect on that. Take a step back and always think about the why. You know, that's helpful in, in these discussions. All right, so let's talk about applying. Vision 2025. Hey, thanks for watching. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, be sure to hit that like button, give it a thumbs up, and you can also subscribe to our channel. If you didn't like it, you can give it a thumbs down, but that wouldn't be very nice and I would not appreciate that. But be sure to check out the rest of the videos here on YouTube. If you're on YouTube, if not, if you're watching somewhere else and this doesn't apply, go over to our YouTube channel.